So go ahead and turn to John 11 this morning. Um, I want to look once again at the raising of Lazarus. Uh, as, as I was looking at this, I just really felt the Lord uh, pointing me in the same direction, but a little different perspective this morning. Uh, first of all, let's refresh our memories with the events. Uh, here Jesus is with his disciples, and he gets word, uh, a very urgent request from his good friends. Uh, Lazarus is ill, and he's, he's very close to this family, as we've discussed. And so he gets that word, and yet he stays where he is two days longer. And we talked about the fact that sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers exactly how and exactly when we would like him to do so. Uh, although we are assured of his love for us, uh, that he has our best interests at heart at all times. And so we can trust him in that. Um, so Jesus sets out for Bethany. And when he gets there, uh, Martha is the first one to run out to greet him. And she says, Lord, if you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. They, they, they know Jesus. They know uh, what he's capable of. And he, in this discussion, Jesus says, you got to understand, I am the resurrection and the life. And then Mary goes in and uh, sends or excuse me, Martha goes in and sends Mary out. And Mary, obviously, again, distraught. Lord, if you would have just been here, uh, my brother would have would not have died. And he says, where have you laid him? And they go over to the tomb. And there Jesus weeps at the tomb, weeps for the loss of his good friend, weeps as he sees Mary and Martha grieving uh, over the loss of their brother. And he says, roll away the stone. And Martha reminds him, Lord, uh, you know, kind of gently, but Lord, you sure you want to do this? He's been in there four days. You're going to roll away that stone and, and it's going to be quite an odor. Uh, and then Jesus says to her, did I not tell you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? So they roll away the stone and Jesus prays, uh, so that everyone there would understand that he's not just doing this on his own, that he is in contact with God the Father. And then in a loud voice, he says, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had been dead for four days comes out, still wrapped in his grave clothes. And Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. So now that all that scene is uh, fresh in our mind this morning, let me back up again to here is Jesus. Uh, you might remember my comments a couple of weeks ago of that, that series, The Chosen, that has come out uh, portraying the life of Jesus and, and his ministry and how it portrays the human side of Jesus like none, none other of the movies that I have seen before. And, and that's kind of the aspect that we're looking at this morning. 
uh, Jesus in that human sense. He gets word that Lazarus is very ill, and yet he stays where he is two days longer. Um, when we talked about God not answering our prayers, we talked about God having a perspective on situations that we don't have, a perspective that's based on his knowledge and understanding, a perspective that's based on his will and his purposes. And, and today I, I want to look at his will and purposes and how Jesus interacts with them uh, from a human perspective. Uh, go, follow me with this. It's, it's, it's all going to make sense here in a minute. Um, think about this for a minute. Here is Jesus and somebody runs up to him. This person has been traveling. They run up, they, they find him. They, they're searching. Where is Jesus? They find him. They, they come to him and they say, Jesus, I'm, I've come from, from Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus is very ill. He's on his deathbed. You need to come. Hurry, hurry, come. And Jesus stays where he is for another two days. Um, what do you think is going through his mind? Right. His close friends send him this urgent message begging for his help. Is Jesus some kind of a stoic, unfeeling individual or do we know him as someone who is caring and compassionate? You think there's some kind of struggle going on in his mind and heart? I sure think so. I'm sure that as Lazarus's close friend. He would have loved to just drop everything and rush to his side and heal him. Think about that for a minute. Healing would have been great. Healing would have made his three friends really, really happy. It would have encouraged them. It would have strengthened their faith. It would have encouraged and strengthened the other disciples, right? They all would have rejoiced together, praising God. And you know what? It would have been great for Jesus, too, wouldn't it? Think of it from his perspective here. He would have shown himself to be a faithful friend. He, 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 he would have been able to help someone in need, someone that he dearly loved. He would have added yet another healing to his list of accomplishments, if you will, and honored the father in what he did. He would have spared his own grief. Remember, as he stood there at the tomb and wept, all of that would have been changed. And yet he makes the decision to stay where he is, to let Lazarus die, to let his friends, Mary and Martha, suffer that loss. And what was the result of that choice? Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave, right? And John eleven forty five says this, and many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Do you see it? Healing was great. Healing 
for 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 the family, for the disciples, for Jesus, healing would have been great. But resurrection was better. And so we begin to get a glimpse into God's perspective, don't we? We begin to see why this was God's will in the situation. Because many, not just a few, but many believed in him that day. I'm sure there were those in that group that had seen healings before, that had heard Jesus's words before, and yet were unconvinced, yet were unchanged. And now, because of this, many believed. Many were brought from darkness into light. Many from death to life. Jesus had a choice to make, didn't he? And I want to submit to you this morning, if you, if you can just kind of put yourself in his place for a minute, you have the wherewithal to help your friends, to do a great thing. I think he struggled. This was not an easy choice for him. There were two choices to make, weren't there? A good one. And a better one. Two perspectives. An earthly one. And a heavenly one. One looking through human eyes. The other through God's eyes. One that was focused on the here and now. The other that was focused on eternity. First Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 11 says this. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Okay? I want to add to that this morning. See, when I became a married man, I understood as a married man, and I thought as a married man. When my single friends were still living a life of independence, I had a new perspective. When I became a father, I thought as a father. I understood as a father. Even when my, my friends who didn't have any children yet, right, were still able to go here and go there and do this and do that on a moment's notice, I couldn't do that anymore. Right? I had a new perspective. I had a new outlook. I a, a new perspective on time, right? A new perspective on money. Are you with me? See, you and I have a whole lot of choices that we make every day, don't we? Some of them are pretty non-consequential, right? What color shirt am I going to wear today? Uh, am I going to get gas today or wait for tomorrow? You know, things like that that, that don't seemingly... Uh, make much difference in the world. But other decisions that we make do have ramifications and sometimes uh, eternal ramifications, right? Choices about our time, choices about money, choices about how we do our job, 
choices about how we treat our neighbor. Things that we post on social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And the question I believe that we need to be asking ourselves all throughout the day is this. From what perspective are we making these choices? From an earthly perspective or a heavenly? From a temporal perspective or an eternal perspective? And the tricky thing is that just like Jesus's decision, it's not always about bad versus good, right? Often it can be good versus better. Colossians chapter one, verse 13 says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. You and I, as, as born-again believers, as God's children, we have been transferred out of darkness. We are in the light now. We know the truth. We know that this life is not all there is. That there is, in fact, a heaven and a hell. That there is sin and a savior. We know that there is a God who loves us and doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to eternal life in Jesus Christ. And through the Holy Spirit who lives in us, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. In other words, you and I as believers, we have access to the perspective of God. We have the ability to see people and situations from his point of view. Now, it's not going to be perfect. And it is something that you and I grow in as we grow in our walk in Christ, as we mature as believers. It's not just automatic. But uh, again, as I started out as, as a dad, um, you know, my thinking didn't change overnight. But a couple of years into it, you know, the, it, it wasn't. It, it was habit by then, right? Um, I thought when somebody mentioned, hey, can you do this? I immediately thought of kids and schedules and stuff, right? It was just, it was there. It was a part of me. Similarly, as we grow and mature in our relationship with the Lord, in our walk in Christ, in, in, in our maturity as believers, more and more, the eternal perspective is going to weigh into our choices, weigh into our decisions, should I post this? Should I not post this? What's this going to say? How is this going to affect how people see me? How people see my um, uh, testimony? How people see my witness for Christ? How people view the church? How people uh, view Christianity? You know, what kind of eternal impacts are these decisions going to make? If I just, you know, uh, fudge this a little bit. If I, you know, treat my coworkers politely or, you know, what kind of eternal impacts are these choices and decisions making? No longer uh, led strictly by, you know, before we knew the Lord, life was all about me. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. Life was all about me. What can I get out of this? What, what's the best thing for me? 
what gives me the most satisfaction in the moment, you know, that kind of thing. But as we grow, as we mature, it's not about me anymore. It's not about my emotions anymore. It's about a, an eternal perspective that gives priority to certain things, that gives importance to certain things. And now I make this decision, I make this choice, not on what's best for me or on what I'm feeling, but how is this going to affect somebody who doesn't know the Lord that's looking at me? Somebody that doesn't know the Lord that's, that's looking at our church. Somebody that doesn't know the Lord. You know, we're, we're focusing in on what's going to matter a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, right? Important things. You see it over and over in the parables of Jesus, right? Looking long-term, laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. That eternal perspective. So the more and more that we ask ourselves that question, the more and more that we hone in on God, what is best here? The more and more of those treasures we're going to lay up in heaven, right? And we are going to live our lives for the greatest eternal impact. But we're human beings, right? We live in a culture right? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 uh, says this, do not be conformed to this world. Greek scholar J.B. Phillips in his translation says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. I like that. See, you, the, the culture that we live in, the, the voices that we hear every day, the values that are lived out around us in the workplace and, and in our culture in general, and the things we see on TV, et cetera, et cetera. They, they, they wear on us, right? We, we get, take all that input. And if we're not careful, we begin to think like the rest of the world thinks. The world begins to squeeze us into its mold. But again, that's not who we are. We've come out of darkness into the light, into the kingdom of the sun. We know the truth. We know what life is really all about. We know what is important in life. So we reject that and we live our lives in light of eternity. We live our lives with that kingdom perspective, God's perspective, eternal perspective. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The more and more that we put these things into practice, we're, we're, we're showing ourselves, we're, we're testing, we're saying, what is the will of God? We're seeing it unfold as we make those kinds of choices. And God is there to meet us in the situation, just like he was for Jesus. And we make those right choices and the blessing of God comes.
into our lives, into people's lives. And it results in fruit for the kingdom of God. Isn't that what it's all about? Amen. Honoring him, working together with him to, get, to see as many people come to Christ as is possible and not to hinder them because I'm being me, right? Because I give in to my emotions and now somebody says, I don't know what he's talking about, Jesus, because it sure isn't helping him any, right? And God will meet us, help us to make good decisions and see that eternal fruit. Amen. This is who you are. This is who you are. As a new creation in Christ, as a follower of Jesus, this is your heritage. No longer in darkness. You're in the light. You have access to, to higher wisdom, higher knowledge. Walk in that with all your heart. Seek to do it more and more. Live out of that eternal perspective. And let's see what God will do in and through our lives. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, once again, we just give you all the glory and honor. God, you know us. You know our challenges. You said to Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Lord, you know we deal with our own flesh and our own emotions and, and different things at times. But help us, Lord, to rise above. Help us to be, Lord, all that you've created us to be, all that you've empowered us to be. Lord, you've put your spirit inside of us. We are new creations in you. So, Lord, cause us to rise above and to live from this new perspective and be glorified in and through us, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen and amen.